to the asset management and to the asset side, yeah, of course, people will use it to buy assets. And that's what they have been doing. So they have been absolutely fantastic, spot on hitting inflation. Mm. <coughs> Which inflation? Assets, not in bread and shoes. You want bread and shoes? You give the money to people buying bread and shoes. But of course, Powell cannot do this. Okay. Uh, he cannot a, write checks. There's a discussion I'd love to have with you next time you're here. We have, we've run out of time today, but um, there, there is an argument that says there is inflation. It's just not being measured properly, and the and the way the CPI is calculated and other inflation measures just don't really reflect the reality of what people are having to pay in their day-to-day -day lives. But that's a discussion for another time. Thank you all very much. You heard there Andrew Ferris, CEO of Econosis Advisory, Patrick Bennett, macro strategist at CIBC World Markets, and our international economics correspondent in Washington, D.C., Barry Wood. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this morning. First of all, over in Australia, the ASX 200 is up about 1.5%. Sad story in Japan, no things moving the other way, but they are catching up a bit after two-day holiday. They're down over 2%, the Nikkei 225. Uh, in South Korea, the Cosby is up 0.7%, and the futures market's indicating that the Hang Seng is going to add about 50 points at the open this morning. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil slipping a little bit, now trading at $41.57 a barrel, uh, but gold is moving a little, a little bit higher, $1,903 an ounce. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Let me give you an update on the weather forecast for today, just before I go. going to be hot with sunny periods, a few showers later. Maximum temperature is going to be about 32 degrees. The outlook is for sunny intervals and a few showers in the next couple of days. Slightly cooler on Friday morning. Uh, it's 28 degrees right now, 78% relative humidity. <laughs> 8.32, Samantha Butler has the half-hour news. School children officially returned to classrooms this morning after a longer-than-usual summer break due to the pandemic. Many schools have been providing online lessons since the start of the month, but now students in certain year groups are returning for face-to-face -face classes. Parents and students that RTHK spoke to in Joan Guano said they were nervous and excited to return. One mother said despite her fears of another COVID-19 community outbreak, she thought it was a reasonable decision to allow students to go back to schools. The Transport Department earlier advised motorists to allow for more travelling time as classes resumed. President Trump has used his speech at the UN General Assembly to launch a fierce attack on China. In a pre-recorded address, he accused China of having unleashed coronavirus on the world, calling the disease the China virus. China responded robustly. Its ambassador to the United Nations, Jan Jun, rejected Mr Trump's accusations as baseless. Well, I have to emphasize that the U.S. noise is incompatible with the general atmosphere of the General Assembly when the international community is really fighting hard against the COVID-19. The United States is spreading political virus here in the General Assembly. In his video address to the General Assembly, President Xi Jinping condemned any attempt to politicize the virus. He also used his speech to announce plans to make China carbon neutral by 2060. More than 200,000 people have now lost their lives in the United States to COVID-19. The latest figures, compiled by Johns Hopkins University, also show almost 6,900,000 people in the U.S. are confirmed to have been infected by the virus. Speaking in Washington at a ceremony to mark the grim milestone, the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said it was a sad occasion for the country and described it as incomprehensible that so many Americans had died. She accused the administration of putting politics first and 
ignoring scientific advice on how to stop the pandemic. This was preventable. Not all of it, but much of it. And what could be lost in the future is preventable too, if we embrace science. Science instead of politics at the Center for Disease Control. Great scientists there demoralized by the political overturning of recommendations to save lives. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chivert and your co-host today is Shalini Matani. Shalini, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Well, schools are going back today, more or less. Face-to-face teaching resumes in two phases. Uh, first half-day school classes begin this morning for students in primary five and six, uh, form five and six, as well as for pupils starting their first year at primary or at secondary school and those in the final year of kindergarten. And then pupils in primary two to four, uh, forms two to four, and kindergarten K1 and K2 can head back to campus from September the 29th. So how are schools preparing for students to return? Will it be safe? Should children, for example, walk to school, as somebody people have suggested, if possible, uh, for up to 45 minutes? What's been the effect of basically nine months away from school campuses? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTH. Radio 3. You can email us bankchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266 We'd love to hear from you whether you are a teacher or a parent uh, or a child uh, or none of the above uh, give us a call 233-88266 uh, Just before we, uh, we get on to um, today's uh, topic uh, just a, a couple of emails uh, related to uh, COVID, we've got we've got a bunch of emails as well related to the discussion yesterday. But I think we'll save those till maybe uh, nine o'clock, till a little bit later. Uh, first of all, here's an email I completely agree with. Uh, Anthony says, uh, yesterday uh, there was a critical email from one of your listeners on your frequent interviews with Professor Ben Cowling. Cowling has been one of the most clear beacons of good sense and future direction throughout this crisis, particularly when compared with the muddled thinking and changing views that have been voiced in Hong Kong, the UK and elsewhere. His list to Hong Kong last Sunday week was particularly balanced. Please continue to invite his comments. We will. That comes from Anthony. Jay says, uh, on the coronavirus, I would like to see all restaurants having perspex partitions dividing all tables in twos. Therefore, we can have four people sitting at a table. I also want the government to let children sit down with parents so you have three people at one table. In the future, all restaurants and bars must be kept open because we, society and money must keep rolling. Otherwise, everyone everywhere will close down and we'll have too many of the working class unemployed. That's from Jay. And uh, from Mr Tang, who is uh, a teacher... Uh, S1 are coming to back to get used to the new campus life, while the S5 and S6 need to get back to exam mode in preparation for Hong Kong DSC. Despite the academic pressure, kids should be looking forward to meeting peers and teachers as they've been stuck at home for a long while. Face-to-face teaching allows schools to render academic and emotional support to students who have been quite helpless and lonely in the face of academic and emotional challenges at home. Strict social distancing measures coupled with stringent temperature checks and sanitization should be more than enough to safeguard the health of students and staff. In the event of a confirmed case, schools will follow the EDB's comprehensive guidelines closely, so school resumption should be safe. 
Hopefully, with schools resuming close to normal operations, all stakeholders can breathe a sigh of relief. That hope expressed by Mr. Tang. Backchat at rthk.hk is our email address. Joining us for this part of the uh, programme up to uh, nine o'clock, we have now uh, Mervyn Chung, Chairman of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Group, and Rizwan Ulla, who's uh, Vice Principal of the Law Ting Pong Secondary School. Uh, Rizwan Ulla, maybe we'll start with you. Good morning. Thank you, everyone. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. So, uh, Rizwan, tell, tell us about uh, how things are going at your school. How are you feeling? How are the pupils feeling? Do you think how are the teachers okay. going to deal with it? Well, uh, uh, I finished sweating just now because the weather was very good this morning, and uh, we were. Uh, I think the the whole teaching staff was very excited uh, to uh, welcome the kids, especially the form one kids. That's one of the. I think the comment you, you mentioned earlier was uh, they're too excited. Uh, to get back to the normalcy. And uh, this morning, exactly those are the things that uh, we saw. And obviously, uh, uh, before uh, all the face-to-face resumption, the school has been doing a lot of uh, cleaning up, sanitizing the uh, school campus, and then um, reading and studying the uh, Education Bureau's uh, latest COVID-19 guideline and uh, and uh, get things in shape. So uh, this morning, uh, as kids were entering the school, of course, uh, apart from a happy and smiling uh, face covered with masks, we welcome them and then get them to uh, check the temperature and then get them to wash their hands and get back to the classes. And of course, uh, today, I think uh, even for teachers, we have to adjust and adapt because uh, it has been some months that we are uh, seeing kids face to face in such a large scale. So uh, I think uh, one of the reader or listener of the channel uh, rightfully mentioned that uh, I think apart from catching up with the teaching, we also have to pay attention to the emotional challenges or the uh, face-to-face communication with uh, peers. These are some of the things that we would have to uh, look into. It Things look so good so far, but uh, I think we would also need to look at things further. And the other thing uh, I think today we also saw is because we, we, we have kids from the border, co- uh, cross-border students, they're still uh, in mainland China, or we, we do have some other uh, uh, non-Chinese-speaking kids uh, stuck in their home country. And uh, so we would have to do face-to-face lessons and also try to cater the online le- uh, lesson at the same time as well. So these are some challenges we are facing, but uh, yes, uh, these are something that we would have to do uh, apart from... Uh, the challenges that some of the listeners also mentioned. Uh, good morning, Rizwan. Good to speak with you. Um, good morning. I'm, I'm curious about, you know, when children walk into school today, what are some of the differences they would have noticed? So how does it look different? How does it feel different at school today? Well, uh, I saw a lot of parents this morning. <laughs> uh, normally, we don't see so many parents. Uh, so today, there are definitely a lot of parents and also some students, I think... Uh, uh, when uh, it, it, you feel a little difference uh, if they were uh, like when kids come with mask and without mask and the kids were uh, a little, you know, uh, shocked or scared. Uh, I mean, I have that feeling like uh, anxiety or nervous because it's after some time. I mean, in particular for the, uh, I think the form one kids, when they come back to school, uh, they're going to a new school, a new environment and also in such an uh, extraordinary situation. They are, appear to be a little different, so that's why, as I said, we have to work with that. Today, uh, when the teacher came back, uh, the first few lesson is to work on that with the kids, 
do some icebreaking, get them to socialize with the, uh, with the people face-to-face, because in the past of all online, we have been doing things online, but the, the face-to-face is actually now, so we are working on that. So that is a visible difference, I, I would say. And before we talk about the emotional challenges that you alluded to, let's talk a little bit about the physical safety. So, you know, when kids are going into their classrooms, are they partitioned with these uh, plastic dividers that you see in some restaurants? Are they being asked to clean their hands after, you know, each 45-minute, one-hour period? Uh, What sort of uh, safe measures are being taken? Okay, so, uh, well, maybe we can start from the uh, canteen. Uh, I think we we have uh, followed literally, like, you know, when you go to the restaurant, those plastic partitions are there. So uh, only one student can sit in one, uh, like all students would be sitting in one direction with a clear partition. Uh, whereas in the classroom, you know, the sizes are, are different. Like the, uh, the, uh, And uh, obviously, so what we, uh, all the sitting, uh, students are not sitting in groups. They're sitting in one direction, uh, keeping a distance. And uh, every 40 minutes in the class, we do have that uh, hand sanitizer, uh, sorry, not the hand sanitizer and also the other uh, alcohol rub where they would be uh, cleaning, uh, like students can use that to, to spray or even the teachers would uh, instruct it uh, every 45 minutes to have that uh, table clean because we are also we are using a homeroom system here so the students would have to uh, move classes so uh, that one we have to uh, follow very strictly and uh, students when they came to school this morning everyone has to wash their hands and uh, we have all these uh, hand sanitizer everywhere in the school campus. So it's markedly different from, you know, pre-COVID. And obviously this, this, this newness, this new norm, um, there are obviously mental health repercussions. There are children who've been stuck at home for months. There's some that suffer from anxiety and, and perhaps OCD. You know, children have been socially isolated, they say. So what's, what are some of the mental health concerns that you and, and teaching staff have? Well, I think uh, the first thing, like what we did uh, yesterday as, uh, during the uh, life education, I think we went through with the students on, uh, on what this COVID-19 is. Of course, they would have uh, got a lot of information from, uh, from media, from friends, and all these things over the past half year. But what we did today was, uh, yesterday was reinforced, like what this disease is, uh, how you should wash your hands, like the 20-second rule, and all these things we have to let the kids know. And, uh, of course, visibly we saw some younger kids who are a little, uh, you know, uh, frightened uh, by this disease. As, as you said, the new norm to them. So uh, we, this is something that we saw. Like for the elder ones, like for the Form 5 and Form 6, I don't see that as a problem because uh, uh, in terms of age, experience, they would cope very well, but for some junior form, we would have to uh, uh, show them things from a positive angle and try to make them uh, think positively and uh, and also not to let the fear make them uh, reserved coming back to school and stuff like that. So you've had, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this year, so you've had like in school and then online and then back to school and then back online and then now back in the school. Yeah. What What if you had to go, what if they closed the schools again? Could you cope? Could the, could the children cope without constant well, backwards I, and forwards? Because it's a real prospect, you know, it's not impossible. Well, I, 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 
Uh, I think it, it, it's also challenging for adults, like when you go to work and then home office. But of course, for adults, I think when you have things on Zoom, you are happy. But for kids, I think uh, it's the other way around. They, they treasure that uh, social circles they have and the social bonding they have developed. So uh, for us, I mean, the teachers, I think uh, it was a challenge before because when you started and then uh, this government has been talking about IT education for some time and actually this COVID-19 created an opportunity, you know, for the uh, IT, uh, sorry, for the teaching field to literally like practice what they have been learning, to preach what they have been uh, been doing, like as far as IT is concerned. So switching mode, it's something that we teachers have psychologically prepared and we are adjusting to things and we have to have, uh, we, uh, we, we need to have our learning curve. I mean, to find different ways because when you cater for students with different learning needs, like just a Zoom and your lecturing or chalk and talk mode will never work. So you have to explore apps, uh, explore uh, some online tools where you can make your learning a little more interactive in, in the digital or what you call the uh, IT manner. Because the, the, the benchmark for interactive learning in the past and now I'm sure it's a, uh, it's a big difference after going through this one year of uh, O2O learning, online learning and offline learning and back and forth. And I said uh, the other challenges schools would face is when they have cross-border students or students who are still stuck in their homeland or students are still... Yeah, so you're, you're actually doing, you're doing some mixed, you're doing, still doing some yeah, online mixed. and some on campus? Yes, we do. Because we do have students of uh, hmm. other... Uh, like some students are in the cross-border, so we, we have to overcome all the uh, IT challenges, and also we, we have students back in Pakistan, India, Philippines, so we also have to address that need. So that's why uh, teachers have to uh, not only think what you want to teach, but how you're going to teach and what tools you're going to uh, use to cater for the needs of different groups. So uh, I think a challenge all teachers are facing in Hong Kong right now and I assume that teachers must be somewhat stressed about this as well. I mean, you know, they, they've got their children in their classroom, but they've also got children abroad. Are they uh, are classes being live streamed? And, you know, there's an interactive classroom with the hybrid of kids here and kids abroad. Um, doesn't that, uh, you know, pose additional challenges and perhaps work for teachers? Uh, well, uh, I would say uh, it's part of our, it's, uh, it's something that we have signed up for and it's part of our job. And uh, definitely this, this COVID-19 has created us with this opportunity. So uh, it, it actually, speed, uh, like uh, genuinely, I so like teachers who used to resist to the notion of IT teaching. And you can see how that has changed us, mm. like including myself. We have to find ways and also when we deliver the teaching in the beginning we we also have to adjust like we sometimes we feel like we're talking to the wall <laughs> like when you're using the zoom and you have 40 kids or 30 kids uh on in your classroom and then you know when kids are not in front of you how you're going to get things done and how you're going to monitor how you're going to see the progress so this will force you to think how we should improve and then uh, we are lucky to have uh, teams of uh, department heads. They're exploring and uh, finding ways to overcome this and then building a learning community to work on this. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm sure this is something that uh, teachers in the uh, 
uh, education sector uh, are working on right now, and uh, the government is also thinking of what standards should be when we conduct online lessons, like what tools should we get and give to students of uh, different financial background, like what's the standard. So uh, these are the things that we have to work on, like our skills, knowledge, student skills and knowledge, and then the IT tools in schools and the IT resources that the kids have at home. So there's a lot of these myriad of factors which decides whether a teaching and learning can be successful or, or not, uh, effective. Okay. Also with us is, is Mervyn Chung, as I say, Chairman of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Group. Mervyn, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. Hello. Thanks, thanks for, yeah. for, for joining us. So uh, school's going back today after a, a long time. As I say, there was that brief period when they did go back, but apart from that, it's basically been kind of nine months uh, since, since they were at school. Um, I think uh, Hong Kong has also got used to them not being around on public transport and on the streets and so on. What about sort of kind of the other aspects? Uh, for example, the, there's some controversy over the suggestion that uh, school children be encouraged to walk to school to keep them off public transport. Uh, and somebody suggested that uh, even if it was up to 45 minutes, children should, should be walking to school. What do you think about that as an idea for a start? Now, judging from uh, what, uh, what what the news uh, broadcasts have uh, <coughs> have announced this morning, uh, the the public transport situation has not shown any signs of deteriorating. Uh, uh, with the uh, the first phase of this uh, uh, class resumption in in our schools, so uh, it seems that uh, with <coughs> with sufficient uh, uh, government monitoring and also the cooperation of the uh, of the you know public bus uh, or, or operators, uh, this uh, this uh, you know transportation problem seems to, seems to have been effectively dealt with. And on the question of uh, <clears throat> going back to schools uh, uh, on foot, uh, I think um, maybe forty five minutes of walk uh, is a bit uh, too taxing uh, because during the the rush hours uh, in in the morning and also. Uh, by the time when when, when uh, classes are, are, are over, um, the, uh, the kind of commuting on foot uh, can I think can can be a problem because uh, especially for the uh, when when uh, class resumptions have become fully operative, uh, we have uh, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of students going back to schools and 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 and, and then to, uh, returning home every day, and if they all flock to the streets uh, and 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 the roads. That could be, uh, I think, uh, too, too much a burden to to our to our uh, public transport infrastructure. So uh, I think it's better uh, for students and also their parents to judge if they are their homes are close to schools. Uh, then it's better for them to to go back to you know on foot, and if they are quite some distance you know away, say even if they walk to the school, it takes uh, around thirty minutes. Then I think that. Uh, they better do it uh, by riding on 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 uh, public transport. Okay. Mr. Chang, some some believe that you know our Hong Kong students have borne the worst brunt of the COVID nineteen, and uh, you know it's for them they've had basically no school or not been at school for nine months. And really, the government should have really focused on keeping them in school and perhaps closing 
other industries making work from home uh, more of a permanent fixture rather than keeping the kids at home. What are your thoughts? Because obviously as, as parents uh, who are sending their kids back to school, everyone is concerned that this might be short-lived, that as Hong Kong opens up, you know, the virus might spread and then the kids will be brought back home to study from home. Nobody wants that. So should we be keeping making this policy of COVID around children, you know, having a very child-focused approach to COVID? So keep the kids at school, keep the kids our priority, and uh, industry works around that. Yeah, of course, the kids are a priority yeah, because uh, they are the pillars of future society. And um, all policies should, uh, should build in this consideration uh, in, uh, before the final decisions are taken. And, but of course, uh, uh, industries may, may complain that, okay, now you have to take uh, so much care of the children. How, how, how are our operations, how are our, you know, our investments? So there are always this kind of uh, arguments. Uh, one, I think one example might be to take into account um, the practices in, in, in other advanced countries to see what they are doing in, in this regard. And according to, I think there are some features in the Western countries uh, uh, with, with the broadcast through, through televisions or radios, um, work from home, in the end, has led to a fall in productivity. So that's why some companies are starting to urge or arrange staff to come uh, to go back to offices for the, for the, for the, for the what, work. What about in schools? Is it uh, you know can uh, teaching online ever be as good as effective as teaching face to face? Well, I don't think so because no. schools are schools. Um, we the reasons why, uh, reasons why we um, put put them together in in uh, in uh, you know well equipped school school compound is that they need to interact with, with uh, one another and uh, the benefit from direct face to face instruction from from teachers and then they learn how to get along with uh, with one another in uh, you know in, in uh, on the school campuses so I I, I think. Um, Zoom teaching can can at best be an expedient measure, uh, which cannot be uh, done, to, uh, you know, forever. Would it, would it would it be feasible for the although it might have to be done, and you know, looking longer term, this might return. Um, it, would it be feasible to buy every child a computer uh, in Hong Kong rather than just kind of assume that they they do that? Uh, Rizwan Ola, do you, do you? Do you supply computers for children who can't afford them, or what's the sort of setup for your school? Uh, yes, typically? we do. We, uh, we loan uh, computers mm-hmm. to students with uh, some uh, financial needs, and also there are like government uh, have some uh, programs where they uh, we can support those needy students. Like uh, in the past, the government has launched uh, some programs, and we would encourage our, uh, our students who have those needs to apply for, if they are eligible, they should apply for those uh, schemes. And, there were, uh, and, there, and Wi-Fi, they'll help them out with things like that as well? Yeah, uh, there, uh, like there were a few initiatives by some organizations also, and uh, not to name here, but then they, they had uh, the, the Wi-Fi card and everything. But mm-hmm. again, uh, uh, it goes back to the question of whether it's enough or not, like for Wi-Fi and things. But there are things there, but I think... Uh, 
has the demand at the moment for uh, online teaching or like they, they need to cope for more than the re uh, required time so then data becomes a problem and also whether the, the computer they have is enough uh, for each uh, for the uh, for that particular lesson because teachers would would be doing a lot of things and then they might expect students to have a few tablets in front of them so we have to think of all these things you know so that's why uh, there is but then I think there needs to be a standard there. Like uh, if they're doing, so this should be the basic standard and this, of, this sort of thing. Because some, uh, in some families, they might have four or five kids. Mm. Their home is small, so they can't have the lesson at the same time. It might be noisy in their home. So there are a lot of these other things also. So I agree with uh, the other speaker that face-to-face -face, uh, lesson is inevitable. That is needed. Uh, because there are a lot of things we need to uh, gather done through our hidden curriculum. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah go ahead, Marvin. Yeah, yeah I, I think um, um, we need to strike a balance between uh, working from, uh, you know, for working parents and also uh, taking care of uh, children for schooling. And uh, some kind of, uh, I think, uh, special study will need to be conducted by government to see where we should uh, fix the balance. And, uh, and also the kind of digital gaps between the, the rich and the poor students would also uh, should also be given uh, absolute attention because uh, this will affect the relative effectiveness of learning between these uh, uh, two major groups of students. Hmm. And uh, I, I have a, a one to two points to make. Classes currently... We're out of time, Mervyn. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, save that maybe for the next time. Sorry, we're just coming up to the news at 9 o'clock. Many, many thanks for, for, for joining us once again. I hope we can chat again soon. Uh, Mervyn Chung, the chairman of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Group, and Rizwan Ola, who's uh, vice principal of the Lauting Pong Secondary School. Uh, we're going to be joined by others uh, after the news at 9. We'd like to hear from you as well. You can email backchat at rthk.hk. The weather hot with sunny periods and a few showers later. Temperatures up to 32 degrees, 28 degrees now, and a relative humidity now of 79%. Uh, each day in November, foreign visitors will be welcomed and the daily capacity will be raised to 20,000. The annual pilgrimage to Mecca, the Hajj, has a specific date in the Islamic calendar. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Backchat on a Wednesday morning with Shalini Matani and Mihu Chivison. We're talking about uh, back to school, uh, mostly for uh, many students today. The first time uh, back at school after where well, there was an on and off kind of uh, in the uh, uh, summer, but uh, basically it's been about nine months since uh, since so many of the students uh, were back uh, properly at school. We're talking about how that's going to work, uh, the problems uh, uh, facing uh, that uh, procedure. Uh, we're joined now by uh, Eugene Fong, who's chairman of the Committee on Home School Cooperation, and Dr Alvin Chan, a paediatrician and council member of the Hong Kong Medical Association. As ever, we want to hear from you. You can pick up the phone, call us, 233 is the number, 233 or you can email backchat at rthk.hk. We'll do our best to read out your messages. Um, or you can go to our Facebook page, that's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. OK, just before we get back to uh, the topic, which we were also talking about in the first part of the uh, programme uh, today, uh, some exchange relating to uh, yesterday's discussions. Um, it, gets, <laughs> it gets a little bit knotty, a little bit kind of uh, complicated, but I'll, 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 for what it's worth, I'll, I'll, I'll air these. 
Uh, okay. Um, so um, after the uh, program yesterday, which was presented by not by me, but by uh, by Danny Gittings, and was talking about uh, judges and uh, politics. Um, Herman says uh, in an email, "Great show. Today's back chat was very good, but the real piece of resistance was Danny Gittings labelling a person who wrote in and with whom he has probably never interacted a member of the CC." TV is what Herman writes. I presume he means um, CCP. Really, Danny, as a researcher of media law, you of all people should appreciate the dangers of unsubstantiated public accusations. Imagine if you had done this to the late Lee Kuan Yew or Donald Trump. The former would have had you jailed, caned and bankrupted, while the latter would have tweet-bombed you and made you QAnon's whipping boy of the month. That comes uh, from Herman. Uh, uh, Danny wants to point out that he was just reading out a message from, from somebody else. Uh, we're, who um, was talking about hidden affiliations uh, uh, and uh, which ended by saying which CCP training centre are you affiliated with uh, OK um, Martin says uh, who wrote the uh, original uh, email uh uh, says the only response Danny Gittings had to my comment correctly exposing the not widely known affiliations of Professor Michael Davis to the NED and Hong Kong Democracy Council was to read out another message intended to discredit me by asking which CCP training centre I'm affiliated with at the end of the show instead of admitting that RTHK ought to inform its listeners about these potential conflicts of interest in an impartial manner. It has nothing to do with doxing as some other commentators claimed as his affiliations are openly published on the NED and Hong Kong Democracy Council websites and his own bio on the Hong Kong U website. If Davis has nothing to hide about these associations, there is no problem in letting people know about them. Uh, that's from uh, Martin, who, who goes on... Uh, there's a longer email as well. That's just uh, part of it. I think the point with Martin would be, uh, as you say, um, Davis has nothing to hide and these uh, affiliations are openly published uh, on the websites. Uh, we usually introduce uh, speakers by giving them their current title. Uh, If people want to Google them, uh, of course, you can do that. You can find out all all that information in about half a second uh, about those people. There's no attempt to uh, keep it secret, uh, Michael. Uh, And uh, also, uh, you're saying that that's Danny's only uh, response. Uh, But I think he, I understood, he put the point to Michael Davis, and Michael Davis responded. Uh, That's certainly suggested... In an email from one who says, I'm not surprised that Michael Davis professed his pride when his association with US institutions and think tanks was revealed on air. Organisations which are well known to operate regime change plans overseas by funding local programmes which incite hatred against foreign governments the US does not approve of or the US finds too economically successful for their own liking. Davis seems to be in the league of Western academics who in their one-track worldview are tools in a US multi-layered machinery of NGOs, think tanks and pressure groups to indulge in the attempt to preserve Western dominance. Davis is a useful tool for the US regime to keep in the payroll. Doug says, uh, in relation to yesterday's uh, discussion, I was bemused that guest Grenville Cross was soundly criticised for speculating, though freely admitting he hadn't any evidence to back his speculation, that judges in the Court of Final Appeal may be pressurised by their overseas government to resign because of the NSL, while another guest, Gladys Lee, raised without criticism the spectre that some 
Judges, presumably local judges, may be members of the Communist Party, although admitting she had no idea if this was the case, but appearing to base her speculation on, quote, no person has owned up to being a member of the Communist Party. Why would they if they're not members? Dan says, Dear Backchat host, please try to keep guests on topic, make them define terms and challenge questionable facts that are merely opinions. Both Michael Davis and David Zweig made demonstrably false statements yesterday about the situation in the USA that no one challenged. That's why it's so important to bring on guests representing both sides of an issue. Aiming to be fair and balanced to the degree possible is a worthy goal. It also makes for great radio. Uh, don't give up. And Andrew Kay says uh, in a follow-up to his uh, email about... Uh, uh, saying, I thought everyone was so unhappy with the national security law that masses of people were going to leave. Uh, he says, so you read the mail below but did not seem interested in pursuing the point. How about a quick snap poll around our politicians to ask how many of their constituents are in a queue at the exit to leave Hong Kong and who feel so strongly on this issue they might want to become a refugee in some second-rate country. That comes uh, from uh, Andrew Kay. Uh, Eugene Fong and uh, Alvin Chan, good morning to you. Mr Fong, uh, maybe we'll start you there. Good morning. Thank you for, morning, for, for, for joining us. Yeah. Tell us, first of all, I, I, we're, I'm not familiar with the, the committee on on homeschool cooperation, but Googling, uh, you've got a big website and you've been going since 93. Uh, I understand. Just to, can you introduce what you do in the committee? Oh, yes, thank you. Uh, thank you for giving a chance uh, for me to talk about the committee on homeschool cooperation. I'm new to the job too, so I only assumed this office uh, on 1st of September. Uh, it's a committee that's eventually back in the 90s. Uh, we hope that uh, encourage uh, by cooperation between parents, families, and also schools, uh, better study environment can be created for our students. And also, uh, I think I think this uh, uh, this COVID outbreak has highlighted the very importance uh, between uh, for the collaboration between the two, as uh, learning has ended, it have actually take place at home, and uh, facilitation by parents is essential uh, to ensure that uh, all the homework and all the studies are being handled by the, the teachers are being uh, capably. Uh, handled by the students. The other objective of, uh, of this committee is to establish a uh, 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 home uh, uh, parent, uh, parent-teacher association. So for each school, we, we uh, encourage that uh, there is a dialogue between the parents and, uh, and, and schools uh, constructively, and so that the parents' views can be captured in different uh, uh, policy-making process. Also, uh, creating parents as, as peer groups so that uh, they can have mutual support for each other. Uh, and also they, they have a shared interest, uh, which is the, the benefit and well-being of the students, so that the parents actually uh, utilize that channel to talk to the schools, reflecting the concerns. At the same time, uh, any parent education can be uh, uh, arranged through the PTA. And, and this is one of the objectives of uh, the committee to, to, uh, to encourage setting up of PTA. We are more than halfway there. Most of the schools, are, I mean, the secondary school and, and primary school in Hong Kong have already got PTA. But uh, our next challenge that we're facing is uh, for kindergarten. Only one third of kindergartens in Hong Kong have uh, self-PTA. So we strongly encourage that. So, so, so that overall, all in all, we, we, are, we, are, we are trying to establish a culture uh, that schools and families, schools and parents can cooperate and they should talk to each other, maintain good relationship. And that's the, the, the ultimate objective of this committee. Thank you, Mr. Fong. And in fact, I think uh, there's probably scope for a whole program on parent-teacher associations of Hong Kong. But um, 
this time of COVID has been very stressful for parents and uh, parents are doing, many feel they're doing more than helping the child with, you know, completing their homework, but actually helping their child all day, every day for the last nine months. Um, how does your committee, you know, seek to address that very specific concern of parents? Should they be helping their kids with work all day, every day? I, I can I can see your frustration, Selene, and I, I share my frustration too. <laughs> I do have my my, uh, my kids studying at, at well, I've got one girl studying at, at high school, one one my uh, son is studying in primary, and I can understand that these nine months have not been easy for any parents, and these nine months have not been easy to any school either. The the hardest thing really is there is a uh, uh, because of the nature of the problem. It's hard to plan ahead. So the response has been very ad hoc, and the response has to has been carried out in stages. I mean, uh, that's at the government level, uh, as well as at our community level, also at the, at the school level, also at the family level. So people seem to be dealing with uh, the issues on a day-by-day by, day by day basis. And uh, I, I think that uh, my... Uh, I think that uh, as uh, as parents, we we do sincerely believe that uh, there should be a better way out, and uh, and uh, and uh, and rather than uh, just uh, having uh, the the situation as it is, which is basically uh, teachers uh, using uh, the the existing um, method methodology of teaching as they would actually otherwise do in, in classroom uh, to to move it online, we more resources should ideally put into. Uh, uh, revamping the education uh, uh, process uh, so that uh, more attractive um, uh, online learning tools can be can be, can be rolled out. At the same time, that uh, students can can actually benefit more from this sort of uh, revamp uh, 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 new new ways of uh, of uh, of mean and new means of studying. Uh, but but we are not there yet. And I think we, we, I think the schools and the parents are are, are too busy uh, coping with the situation day by day, watching the as the as a, as a virus uh, outbreak develop, and, and all these uh, security and also safety measures that we're putting in, all this uh, different communication. Because uh, one thing that actually has consumed a lot of time, uh, I think, at both ends, both schools and parents, is to ensure that the communication link uh, is uh, is maintained. So that information can be can be filtered and and, and can be can, can be uh, uh, provided to the to the parents on time. And I understand that a lot of schools actually spend uh, not only time on website or apps, but they actually use phone calls. Uh, the schools that are actually not as resourceful, they actually uh, actually use uh, tell the, the teachers and staff to ring up the parents, and and that has caused concern and and actually caused burden at, at both ends. So, so I, I, I must agree with you that that the situation is not ideal, but uh, uh, um, uh, but say over the the process we have not been able to formulate a really uh, coherent strategy how. Uh, the situation should best be dealt with. Perhaps strategy is a bit of a strong word and the committee can look at perhaps developing some protocols. So, for example, one of the things we know about Zoom classrooms or whatever we call them is uh, they lack the one-to-one -one between the teacher and a specific student. So not just filling the day with Zoom class classes, but, you know, creating one-on-one -on -one time between, you know, the math teacher and the student and the history teacher and the student. So as would be the case if you were in school and, and in 
individual child wanted to speak to the teacher, they could after class for a minute. But I wonder if the committee has thought about putting out any sort of protocols. Uh, thank you for the, the very good suggestions. I think that's something that we should uh, work on. As we, Our committee actually stopped uh, a few months ago. As I've explained, I only picked up this uh, new role by on 1st of September. But definitely what you're suggesting is worthwhile to be put on agenda as we resume a meeting in October. Uh, but one, one thing that I have to stress is uh, uh, um, the mindset of teachers are important here. Okay, while Zoom is only a tool, uh, and I understand that there are limitations to, to, to that tool, uh, as they said, the lack of face-to-face uh, uh, reaction, and also that, that uh, it's hard to take care of students with different uh, learning ability. Um, um, and it really, it really is a, a time-consuming exercise if teacher is going to actually drill onto the learning and, 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 and uh, experience of each of the students and make sure that they, they, they do learn uh, what is being taught. Uh, so, so, but the tool is there. So it's not that the, that, that the teacher has no means to ensure that uh, all students do receive uh, a very good uh, caring and also mm. uh, uh, a very good uh, uh, quality of teaching. I, but, I, mm. but I agree, that, but I, I do look forward to the protocol, as, as you suggested. That uh, I think we need some more suggestions within the education sector, uh, because I have I've taken some uh, diploma uh, during the COVID nineteen myself from overseas universities, and I do I can tell the experience I actually when I went through those diplomas uh, online, and the experience that I might say my kids are having at at home when they mm-hmm. when they are sitting through lessons from high school and, and primary school. There, there, there is actually a market difference. I think it's probably some of the opportunities, one of the opportunities that actually presented by this outbreak is if we put in more resources, maybe Hong Kong be, become a leader in the, in the, in the, in the new rev- evolution of, uh, of our education. That's something that I do sincerely look forward to. I, I, I do promise that that's an a, a, a item that I think we should, uh, as a committee, uh, reopen again. We should discuss that. Okay. Also with us is uh, Dr. Alvin Chan, a paediatrician, yes, a member of the Medical Association. Good morning to you. Thank you for, for, for joining us again. Uh, are, are you satisfied with the children going back in this way? I mean, on the one hand, there will, there's going to be a lot of grouping. There's going to be grouping on public transport and so on. Hong Kong will become a much kind of busier place uh, overall. On the other hand, there's this sort of argument that children don't seem to suffer very much from COVID-19 at all, really. Uh, exactly. The infection rate of children by COVID-19 is really smaller than uh, the uh, age groups. Uh, and uh, also, in fact, the uh, rate of, um, I mean, the infection of uh, the population by the COVID-19 is uh, gradually coming down. Uh, in the uh, universal screening exercise, only uh, about uh, 45, uh, 43 were screened to be positive out of 1.78 million. And so, of course, uh, the overall pattern is that uh, uh, there is not uh, a big number of uh, asymptomatic carriers or uh, patients in the population. However, we have to be careful that there are still a few so when the children are going to school through public transport and also they contact each other during the recess time, that is, uh, not, not, uh, they, they are going to the school uh, half time. 
Uh, all of them will be going to school uh, from 29th of September, uh, only half time. But then, uh, even in the morning, they could have a recess time where they could visit the tuck shop and they could eat things from the tuck shop. And if they put off the mask and then uh, hug each other and uh, be in close contact, uh, of course, that poses some risks to the student population. And if there is anyone infected in the school, of course, that would be a big problem. Uh, there would need to be uh, quarantine of those in close contact. Uh, it is uh, those classmates or those students on the same floor and also the staff. And of course, uh, that would also create some uh, panic in the society. So I think um, the uh, Education Bureau and the uh, Food and Health Bureau should be anticipating if there is any outbreak like that, although the challenge is not that big. And uh, of course, I think uh, in general, the uh, population, including the students, should be quite used to uh, those basic um, um, infection control measures like uh, using the alcohol sanitizers or um, the masking. But then uh, still, there could be uh, sometimes uh, some escapees. Uh, and uh, I would think that uh, the, the, the school authorities and, well, I am also a member of many school committees, management committees of some schools, uh, so I would think that these, um, uh, the staff of the schools and also the uh, management committee should be vigilant in uh, keeping an eye on how to prevent outbreaks uh, to occur. And on the other hand, of course, uh, there could also be outbreak in the school buses. And uh, of course, we encourage students could go to school by walking, but uh, practically speaking, uh, I think only a minority practice like that. And uh, we, we, we do think that uh, the parents and the uh, teachers need to be very vigilant in educating and reminding the students to keep up their infection uh, control prevention uh, habits. And uh, on the other hand, I, I think um, I, I, I am concerned about uh, the mood disorders, the probabilities of uh, developing mood disorders in many of these students and also especially uh, uh, without interpersonal interaction for the past uh, nine months. And then now going to school, there could be uh, problems also because they have been used to uh, internet uh, access to the uh, teaching. And that brings along the internet dependence or addiction of some of these students. And that has to be dealt with by the teachers as well. And, uh, and the parents as well. On the, on the other hand, there is an equal opportunity problem. At least 20% of students do not have uh, internet access at home or no, 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 even no personal computers. So I think these uh, opportunity matters. Uh, if for those underprivileged students, they don't really have internet access. Uh, if the school depends too much on the, I mean, the, the trend is like that but all depends on internet, then a few of them, of the students, would be underprivileged. And we are concerned about the, um, uh, um, the attitude of these uh, students when they uh, continue in their learning in the coming uh, one or two years when COVID-19 could uh, any uh, time come back in some third or fourth wave or fifth wave. Uh, thank you, Dr. Chan, for that very comprehensive um 
uh, those very comprehensive thoughts of yours. I, I want to pick up on a, on a couple of things. Um, we're going into flu season in the next, well, we are going into flu, flu season as the weather is now beginning to change. What are your concerns, medical concerns with COVID plus flu? But also this other thought that uh, some parents have raised that we are making our kids too clean by this constant cleaning and this obsession with cleaning in their hands. Are you worried about that? Um, first of all, I think uh, we really need to have a balance uh, of our attitudes, of course. Uh, I don't think we need to be worried too much that our children are too clean because, after all, our children are still playing around and uh, if they go to school and they have physical exercise and they're sweating, they're running around, they're still um, um, picking up things from the table service, all these could have uh, recalled the uh, normal or usual uh, germs or the viruses that could be present. Uh, of, of course, there are a few schools who have adopted some so-called uh, long-term uh, disinfectant spray. That is the spray that could last their effect for three months. And that could have, uh, as you said, destroyed many of those uh, uh, normal, so-called normal bugs in the environment. But mostly, I, I think, um, well, we are still living with uh, the environment of the usual bugs around. And however, uh, you talk about the flu, uh, that is one risk that we are facing in the coming winter and spring. And uh, so there are uh, scientific uh, studies that proved that, uh, showed that uh, having uh, vaccination against influenza, uh, that prevents and uh, minimizes the extent of the um, COVID-19 in that population. Uh, so I, I think um, we advise that uh, the parents would have uh, the children uh, vaccinated against influenza. Uh, so as a measure to prevent COVID-19 as well. And uh, the uh, influenza vaccines now could be given in the schools or uh, in other clinics or hospitals. So another measure that we can increase the uh, immunity and uh, the self-defense of the, of the people is by uh, giving vitamin D supplements. So it's shown that increasing vitamin D level in our body could increase our defense against uh, many infections, including COVID-19. So I think that's a natural way if our children could have more sunshine, could have more outdoor activity, and eat more healthy foods with uh, more vitamin D sources. Uh, I mean, a natural source of uh, vitamin D. But of course, uh, we could also uh, have supplements for our children with vitamin D uh, inside the, uh, the supplements. Well, uh, I think... Um, uh, back to your question, I think uh, it's a balance to be natural as well to adopt measures to help our children to increase the self-immunity uh, defense. Uh, and that is also for elderly people as well, the same for elderly people. And of, uh, even uh, for the government, they subsidize uh, citizens uh, over 50 years of age to have uh, influenza vaccine. 
and also uh, uh, most underprivileged uh, people. And I, I, I want to raise a topic: is the special education needs. Uh, many of these children need face-to-face -face education and even uh, coaching. Uh, such as those uh, with autistic spectrum disorder, ADHD, or uh, dyslexia, and uh, many other uh, children with mental disability, uh, physical disability. They need to develop the interpersonal skills and also uh, the um, special uh, education measures to help them learn. So uh, in the past uh, nine months or more, uh, these children suffer most, and in fact, uh, today, uh, many of them are going back to school. They need to adapt again to the school environment, okay. and the teachers uh, have to have a good report with them, and this needs time to build up. So uh, I think uh, the government should also give more resources to the schools to have uh, more uh, manpower uh, training and uh, uh, assisting um, uh, such as uh, audiovisual aids and uh, to these uh, special education needs. We, we just uh, some uh, emails to uh, finish off. Uh, Bill P says, your guest today who said working from home, lowered productivity, is speaking against most of the evidence. He's most likely someone who wants to see people at desks, head down, who barks when he requires. And uh, uh, Bill attaches uh, an article from the uh, Harvard Business Review uh, and also uh, says a two-year study from Stanford University completed in 2018 shows working from home sees higher productivity. Working from home is still perceived as not working by older people. It's related to older people at the office and managers who don't really have much to do except supervise junior staff. That uh, is Bill Peace uh, reading. Uh, Paul says uh, the infection rate within school children has remained extremely low as opposed to the elderly. Surely it's about time we protected the elderly by discouraging them from travelling alongside students by removing the transport subsidy the elderly enjoy on public transport here during rush hours. Or is this all about popularity rather than common sense? Uh, Andrew says, uh, resumption today is still only partial, as afternoons are still conducted using Zoom for my son's school anyway. How long till full days resume? If COVID levels remain the same, us parents wonder, especially in these big exam years. No expected time frame news on this that I've heard. That's uh, from uh, Andrew. And uh, Andrew Kay says, since when did other people's children become a community responsibility? Having a child is a personal choice and it follows you need to care for it, even if you have a child. I have three, so I am speaking with experience. No one helped me, three exclamation marks. That is from uh, Andrew Kay. Thank you very much indeed uh, for uh, those comments. Thank you very much indeed to our, to our guests this morning. Just hearing there from Dr. Alvin Chan, paediatrician, council member of the Hong Kong Medical Association, and to Eugene Fong. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Fong, chairman of the committee on uh, home school cooperation, and to everyone who emailed and joined the discussion uh, this morning. Uh, many thanks we're going to be back uh, with more at the same time tomorrow uh, half past eight hope you can join us then here's the weather before we go hot with sunny periods and a few showers later temperatures up to about 32 degrees today the outlook sunny intervals and a few showers the next couple of days slightly cooler on friday morning 29 celsius at the moment relative humidity is at 77 percent want to feel at ease when taking your lifts Apply for the government's Lift Modernization Subsidy Scheme. Those installing safety devices for lifts or replacing a lift may receive a maximum subsidy of $500,000 per lift. 
and an extra subsidy for eligible elderly owners. Regular maintenance and examination are important. Report all lift problems at once for inspection. Call 3188-1188 for details. 32, the news with Samantha Butler. School children officially returned to classrooms this morning after a longer than usual summer break due to the pandemic. Many schools have been providing online lessons for the past month since the start of the new school year. But from today, face-to-face classes resume in stages depending on the year group. Baptist University is looking for around 170 recovering COVID-19 patients to take part in a pilot rehabilitation program. Julian Baker, who heads the Department of Sport, says participants will undergo a 12-week exercise program supplemented with Chinese medicine. He says some patients feel fatigued and have poor lung function and the school hopes to improve their ability to perform daily tasks such as walking and carrying shopping. And President Trump has used his speech at the UN General Assembly to launch a fierce attack on China. In a pre-recorded address, he accused Beijing of having unleashed coronavirus on the world, calling the disease the China virus. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer, great interpreter of Beethoven. And by oh so shy, quiet and retiring doggy cats, co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for cats. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. The side of what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In-depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning again and welcome to Wednesday. It's The Morning Brew. We're going to miss walkies today with Janice Jensen because she's mid-air somewhere. She will be back next week live from sunny Nevis and quarantine, which in Nevis probably isn't that bad at all. We'll find out. So anyway, what I am going to do is carry on yesterday's art theme. That was really fun talking to Katie to Tilly. More focus on design this morning. So re-edit is a new showcase initiated by PMQ. Talks about work by young Hong Kong designers, whose work is also going to be shown at Milan Design Week. A real incentive there. Going to meet two of them this morning, Julie and Jesse, which is also the name of their studio. Are going to find out about their mobile furniture, Terra Mobile or Mobile. We'll find out, won't we? Anyway, after 11.30, more crepe radio with RTL France's man in Hong Kong, Philippe Dovar. And at 12.10, once again, we're off to visit Chris Watts at his Motion Dynamics studio in Central. Join him on Facebook Live to 